This podcast is sponsored by our fine patrons. To find out how you can support the show, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Give a little, get a lot of podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it is so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. And because we're lazy, we keep emphasizing that last part. Because, because we, when you discuss we need things, more discussions from fans like you. We don't have to research things. <laughs> uh, what are we drinking today there, Veronica Belmont? Um, I'm having a fine Cabernet Sauvignon from Anderson mm. Valley. Anderson uh, Valley. Yeah, it's very good. I forget the name of it. It had That's Anderson an Valley in Anderson the name. Anderson Valley Cabernet. Mm-hmm. So it's an Anderson Valley. You can yeah, just call it that. Go. Okay. Say, uh, you know, for short, I just call it Anderson Valley. Just an Anderson Valley. Andy Valley, if you're on familiar terms. <laughs> Andy Val. Andy Val. Yeah. AV. It's the AV club. Folks that drink it. I'm drinking tea because I'm a boring old man. Well, yeah, that's not true. It's um, Yorkshire gold tea. It's not just like Lipton. And it's it had I mean, cream in it. This is a big deal for me because I can't drink anymore. Every time I drink, I get sick. So I'm, I, I, oh, I did oh, this okay. special for I the see. show. I see. I'm I taking see one for the this. team here, Merritt. You didn't need to. That's all I'm saying. Well, we have a section called What Are We Drinking? So I kind of needed to. I am drinking something. It is tea. Yeah, but that's not in the spirit of the segment, Tom. We say very carefully to people, especially people who are minors, you don't have to drink alcohol. I'm just being that example today. Minors have an even bigger reason to drink because that's a tough job. (laughs) Somebody has to do it. (laughs) But only after your shift is over. Only after. Otherwise, it's a danger to yourself and others. Absolutely. Especially none of those flaming cocktails where you light them on fire because you're in a mine and that could cause an explosion. Too soon. (laughs) <laughs> gotcha <laughs> let's jump into the quick burns hey i don't know if anybody heard about these hugo awards oh <laughs> it's the, kind the, of the, quiet no. no big deal it's finally happened it's finally over this year's hugo awards are done and there are some there are some winners okay let's actually talk about the award right uh and then we could talk about the other part of it uh three body pop problem by Xin lu which i still would love to read and was translated by ken lu uh won best novel and i think uh from all i've heard that is a very deserving novel so congratulations yeah that's a big deal and uh, best novelette went to the day the world turned upside down uh by thomas old Huvelt. uh leah belt was a translator for that that appeared in uh, lightspeed magazine yeah. Best fan cast went to Galactic Suburbia podcast, which is not us. We're, I, Tom, we weren't nominated, so. <laughs> right. Ah, Just, maybe next I mean, year. I'm sure in the world of not us, it's a very good podcast. Yes, but other very worthy winners, uh, Orphan Black went for Best Dramatic oh, Presentation. Yeah. Uh, Lightspeed Magazine did win an award uh, for Best uh, Semi-Prozine. Guardians and- of the Galaxy won Best Dramatic Presentation Longform. I Absolutely. would 100% agree with that. And then I was very excited. Our friend of the show, Wesley Chu, uh, won the John W. Campbell Award for Best Yay. New Writer. So happy for Wesley. Yay. Well done, Wesley. Well-deserved. Very well-deserved, well. Well yeah. indeed. A Campbell, not a Hugo. A lot of people were congratulating on winning a Hugo because they're given together and it's confusing. We understand that. 
But right. Just I like so you- how they, they even write it on, it's not, they even say it's not a Hugo Award. That's not nice. They could probably leave that off. People get it, right? Not a Hugo Award. It says in parentheses, not a Hugo Award. Thanks, I mean, we're just thanks saying. guys. Not to rub uh, it in or anything. So let's get to the the political part of it, which is that several categories, uh, we didn't go through every category that was awarded just now. You can find that at the Hugo Awards website, hugoawards.com, thehugoawards.com, uh, thehugoawards.org. I said it wrong several times, thehugoawards.org. However, several categories got no award, which is an option. It has been an option for a long time. You could say, I don't want to give an award to anything that is nominated. And because of the slate that people were promoting that other people thought was uh, not very good, there were several categories where nobody won. And so no award was given. And what I think, Veronica, is that when you have a situation where you have a group of people who are accusing another group of people of being intolerant of what they think is right, and that other group saying, no, you're intolerant of what we think is right, and then one of them tries to hijack the process, uh, in the end, this showed that the process worked out, where people in on Moss paid for memberships, voted, and said, no, we don't like that you made the process work that way and got these slates on here, and so we're going to vote no award. I think this is not democracy in the widest sense, but I think this is showing the system working. Well, and it, it's uh, there was a very great post uh, written by Charlie Jane Anders over on io9 called How the Hugo Award Saboteurs Actually Disproved Their Own Best Argument, which is that they were saying that the the liberal left-leaning groups of, of Hugo voters were essentially bulk voting in winners in, in categories and, uh, you know, kind of pushing their agenda by doing a slate and picking the the stories and books that they wanted to win. But when the sad puppies tried to do this, they were not effective. So it just goes to show that you can't you can't bully through something like this and, and make that work uh, by by doing the slate argument, because then there still has to be the wider there. You know, people are going to pick what's best. And when there's, you know, 4000 new voting members, I think that kind of spoke for itself. And I do think that they're just awards. Uh, what really matters is what books you like. And if you want to read certain kinds of books, go read them. Enjoy them. You know, like there's nobody stopping you. That's the beauty of the world that we live in is you get to read whatever you want. And Sword and Laser exists particularly to help expose you to things you might not have been exposed to otherwise. But if you only want to be exposed <laughs> to things that you know you like, you're probably not listening to this show and you have the right to go do that too. But what I don't like is when people try to force their viewpoints on other people. Indeed. Um, let's move on. I'm, I'm so glad this Hugo stuff is over for now. I hope we don't get a repeat of the same kerfuffle uh, next voting season. It's just, it's nice to be done. And I think some very worthwhile people won. So congratulations on that. Um, but I'm excited because, excited and also a little bit sad because the final Terry Pratchett novel, The Shepherd's Crown, is going to be on sale tonight or maybe even by yeah, I think now. It's, by now it's already on sale, yeah, because of the time Over difference. in the UK, right. They start, It went on sale at uh, 2300 uh, GMT Wednesday, so we're recording this show right now on Wednesday. And it's the last book in the Tiffany Aching series. Uh, no more books will be written in Discworld or Tiffany Aching, of course, because uh, people are, uh, the Terry Pratchett its books are no longer going to be continued by uh, any other writers, um, including his his daughter. Um, so this is your your last chance, your last time you can read a new Terry Pratchett novel, which is is sad but also happy because I'm excited yeah. to read it. Cheers. 
Terry yeah. Pratchett, thank Indeed. you for one last novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, however, has a new novel out. Hmm. Interesting. He passed away a lot longer ago than Terry Pratchett. It is the story of Kulervo. It'll be published uh, August 27th in the UK, October 27th in the US. And it is a story he wrote, I think, when he was still in college, like 1914. Yes. Based on a what? A Norwegian tale or a finish uh I, I should probably get that right because i'll insult whoever it's not but uh it's based on a nordic mythology mm-hmm. that it was him trying to work out his ideas about how to tell mythological tales yeah it's called uh as uh, did you say the name of it the story of finish based on or inspired by the finnish epic poetry tradition uh particularly the poem kalevala Yes, and that's going to be released on August 27th in the UK and October 27th in the US. Looking forward to that one as well. Um, we have some news articles from you guys, the readers, from our Quick Burns folder over on Goodreads. Brendan says, has this been mentioned yet? Glance to publish Sharp Ends, a collection of short stories from the world of the first law by Joe Abercrombie. A mix of new and old short stories. I'm really looking forward to this one, Brendan says. And no, I do not believe we did mention this, and I'm stoked for this too, because I love stories in Joe Abercrombie's world, his wider world of the first law and all the other standalone books that come with it. Um, so this is going to be really fun. He's uh, he's very prolific, and, and uh, I, I am just happy to get more from those characters. Say what you will about Joe Abercrombie. Say another book of short stories from him is very welcome. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Hey, Rob Secundus pointed out that the official trailer for The Martian is up. Uh, and thought the headline of the Polygon article was probably hyperbolic. But no, he says, it's not. Here's the headline from Polygon. The Martian's second trailer is just as spoilery as the first one. And Rob Secundus says the trailer literally spoils every major plot point of the book. Now, Veronica, Brian Rushwood and I have both read The Martian. Mm -hmm. We've both seen the trailers. Mm -hmm. And we were talking to the producer of Cord Killers, Bryce Castillo, a.k.a. Neshcom, who was upset that he thought the trailer had spoiled the movie for him. And Brian and I were both saying, no, there's much more to it than just what happens. There's how it happens. And there are other things that happen that aren't in that trailer. And we can't tell you why it's not totally spoilery without spoiling the whole book for you. Do you agree? I think that it does show some points that I wish had remained surprises to the movie going audience. I think there were a few things that maybe were obvious would happen, but at the same time would have been fun to to see for the first time in the theater for people. So I, I can see it both ways. I, I wish they had kept it a little more. Because, I mean, uh, okay, obviously he's stuck on Mars. It's called The Martian. We know that. He gets left behind. We figure, obviously, he's they're going to try to go back and get him. And I don't... And spoiler alert if you're, like, real strict, but 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 only, mm-hmm. like, if you wouldn't watch this trailer. Uh, the fact that he's alive isn't a spoiler to me. The, the fact that he's alive is, like, the first line of the book. Yeah. That, that's, that's Wait, people not... Were, people were concerned that well, it showed well, him still being alive? Have, yeah, people haven't read the book are like, oh, so he's alive. Like, okay, yeah, I guess where you... And that's what Brian and I were trying to say. Like, no, that's that's not the point of this book. That's that's not where no, the tension is. No, you're right. I is. mean, it's really about the process and the story of him being there and yeah. what that's like. It's, you know, it's like if you watch um, Castaway, <laughs> like... 
He gets stuck on an island. That's kind of, I mean, that's not a spoiler. If you see that, he gets, spoiler alert, his ship goes down. He grows a really long beard. Yeah. Oh, crap, you ruined Castaway. It's about the story of him being there and and what that process is like. So I think if you look at it that way, it's not so bad. It is pretty spoilery, though. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, so so skip it. If you're if you're excited about the movie, just wait for the movie. It's not that just far read the away. Book. Or just read the book. <laughs> there you go. Then you get a full spoilers, but at least it's very entertaining. Uh, Tom Mahome says, uh, sci-fi keeps making sci-fi TV shows, puts uh, Frederick Pohl's gateway in development. Uh, wow. This, yeah, another big one. I mean, this is kind of a huge deal. This is classic, classic sci-fi. Um and uh, did you change the link to this story or am I clicking on something different now? Because this wasn't the story that I clicked on earlier. I don't know. That's Ms. weird. Let's pull back the curtain for the viewers. Yeah. Am I breaking some kind of wall right now? <laughs> You're breaking the seventh wall. I don't even know what that is. Uh, no, I, I'm the story that was linked by Tamahome was the IO9 story. And I'm not click. I'm on an EW story. Did I click the wrong thing? Oh, you've just uh, jumped down to the next link. Oh, That's all. derp. Okay. <laughs> there we go. That's, That's what I'm looking for. That's good radio, folks. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah go I ahead. mean, really, other than like, if you don't know Friedrich Pohl's Gateway, go get to know Friedrich Pohl's Gateway. This actually, the, reading the story made me think we should pick this as a sword and laser pick at some time yeah, future. Cross but my also, mind. wow, sci-fi really pulling out all the stops, trying to make good science fiction some based on books, childhood, childhood's end, the expanse, etc., uh, and and even some that is original as well. But here's another good book based one. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. This will be, I more TV is always good. I'm always looking for new shows to watch. Oh, uh, speaking of which, did you watch Fear the Walking Dead yet? I did. I'm not finished it yet. I've watched about eighty mm, percent of the episode. I did not experience the first word in the title. You did not have fear. Are we desensitized <laughs> no. to zombies now? Is that the problem? Not to me. Not here. No, this just was plotting and everything was expected. And I felt like it just did not put any kind of tension into me. I had no sense of discovery about how things were breaking out. I know what they were trying to do. I could see what they were trying to do, but I, everything seems so telegraphed and everything seemed to move so slow. So I'm going to give it another chance next week and the week after probably because I like to give things lots of chances. I'm going to give it the next chance for the rest of the season just to see how it plays out. <laughs> I'm going to keep watching it until it's canceled. But no, I was not impressed by the first episode personally. Okay. Well, just we'll, personal we'll, taste. We'll keep up to date on that and, and, and continue that discussion for a later episode. Dara pointed out, uh, by the way, I just mentioned these uh, episodes, Sci-Fi has premiere dates for The Expanse and Childhood's End. The Expanse will kick off with a two-night premiere event starting Monday, December 14th at 10 p.m. Eastern, continuing on Tuesday, December 15th at 10 p.m. Eastern, and then it'll go to Tuesdays every week thereafter. And a six-hour television event of Childhood's End will air over three consecutive nights starting that same Monday, December 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern, running two hours each night through Wednesday, December 16th. So, like, the week of December 14th is just bananas. It's, it's going to be so sci-fi. much. It's just watch sci-fi all week yeah. because everything is going to be awesome and new. That's great. Oh, I can't wait for that. I'm excited for both of these. As as you know, I'm a big fan of the Expanse series, and I'm really excited by the trailers they've put out. I feel like I've got to catch up on that series and finish the next two books before the show comes out. Yeah, 
it does. I mean, the show's obviously not going to get to those books. I know, very but soon, still. But yeah, I know what you mean. You just kind of want to have it all tied up, so you're not lingering. Right. In case they flash forward. In case they Game of Thrones you. <laughs> Warren says uh, the BBC audio drama version of the Foundation trilogy. Uh, it's about uh, seven point four hours long. It's in the public domain. He says, I got the original unabridged audiobook version years ago. Both versions are good, though. So now you can download it for free yeah, and listen to it. Go check it out. It's really cool sounding, too. They do, you know, these are radio dramas, right? They're not mm-hmm. audiobooks. So you get lots of sound effects and that dramatic reading where you say, Veronica, did you get those papers yet? What? No. <laughs> what papers? Really- you should do one of these, Tom. It's great. <laughs> I should. Uh, Sandra said, mark your calendars. The Ready Player One film has a date. Hits theaters December 15th, 2017. Oh, boy. December's a and- good time to release new stuff. But okay, that's so two years from now. But What's whatever. your gamble? We have a couple of years for this to pay off. Do you think... They will have licensed all of the items that they want to mention from the book, or will they substitute some items with fake versions because they couldn't get licensing? I think it's going to have a lot fewer references than the book, just for the reason that it's a movie and not a book, and you can only cram so much stuff in. So I think that they will probably get as much as they need. So you don't think they'll have to make up anything? I don't they think they'll have to make much. up anything. I think they just and, won't need as much. And anything that they were having trouble with, you just send Steven Spielberg over and he says, hi, I'm Steven Spielberg. And they're like, fine, licensed. Take it, take it, yeah. just take it. Just take it. Give us your royalties. Thank you. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sandra also pointed out that Caitlin R. Kiernan's Drowning Girl and The Red Tree have been optioned for movies as well, if you're a fan of those books. Yeah, so much good stuff coming out. I I love that. I I mean, I I know it's not because of this, but I feel like Game of Thrones has really kind of paved the way for people to be comfortable watching, you know, pretty extensive, in-depth sci-fi and fantasy content. I think it's it's in vogue right now, and so a lot of cool stuff is getting greenlit, and I'm excited about that. I would give a little bit of credit to Battlestar Galactica for for preparing that soil that the Game of Thrones then plowed if you will. Because <laughs> uh, I don't think Battlestar Galactica did it. I think you're right about Game of Thrones. Sort of everyone saw the success of that and realized, oh, wait, we can do this. The audience will tolerate this. This is great. But Battlestar Galactica showed that science fiction could catch an audience that way as well. And I think that's why we're seeing sci-fi and other places taking bets on sci- science fiction is they realize, well, wait, there was an appetite for Battlestar Galactica, so if it's done right, we just need to do it like Game of Thrones did. And everybody's trying to capture... It's what they do in TV. One, There's one big hit, and everybody tries to mimic it. Yeah, but I mean, even just looking at the the kinds of quick burns we're getting now, it seems like 90% are yeah. adaptations these days. No kidding. That's so true. All right, well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And uh, this first one is for you, Tom. Uh, Paul writes in and says, uh, Tom, I know you're a connoisseur of the BBC, and he links to uh, BBC Woman Hour talking about sci-fi and fanfic. And this was pretty cool. I started listening to it, and I think you will enjoy it. They talk about cosplay. They talk about you know women in sci-fi and fantasy, people with careers in those fields and genre fiction and publishing and comic books and uh also their voices are really soothing well yeah because they're british yeah british radio so compressed so good the received accent i mean yeah jacob can you make us sound like that can you just make me sound like the bbc 
Oh. What, yeah. what would I have to say to sound like the BBC, Tom? Give me a, give me a line. Um, this is London? I don't um. know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't do. So I don't even listen to. It's twenty six minutes past the hour. This is London. You're listening to the BBC. It's twenty six minutes past the hour. This is London, and you are listening to the BBC. Doop, doop. Was that good? Doop. I don't know what I'm imitating, so I, I don't listen to enough of the Beeb. Well, you got to. You got to start. You All just right. listen to this. That was pretty good stuff. Thank you. Uh, we also got an email from Dara who says, Greetings, Supreme Sword and Supreme Laser. I want to thank you both for what you do. Aw, thank you, Dara. This group has introduced me to so many authors and books that I would have never found on my own. I've made friends with so many people in the forums, and being able to connect with other geeky people has been such a joy. Yay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now to my feedback. I think a recommendations folder in the forum would be a great addition. People tend to post recommendation threads in the general or the what else are you reading folders, and that sometimes creates overlap or duplicate threads looking for the same types of books. It would help declutter the other folders and make it easier for members to post, search, and discuss recommendations. I figured that I would shoot my idea your way, and you can do what you think is best with it. Hmm. I kind of feel like the what else are you reading folder was kind of made for that, but maybe not. We did not discuss this ahead of time, ladies no. and gentlemen. This is a magic trick. <laughs> not, no, seriously, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but that's exactly what I was going to say, which is that is what what else are you reading kind of does. What if we just renamed that folder recommendations and opened it up so you can do what else are you reading threads in there, but you could also do single book recommendations or I'm not reading this, but I hear it's good. You know what I mean? Like just loosen the strings a little bit. I might just rename it to Rex slash what else are you reading? Yeah. Well, that that's a good transitional name. So people don't go where, what else are you reading? Go. Uh, but I, cause what else are you reading? I would never recommend Dune for instance, because I'm not reading Dune right now. Mm, mm-hmm. But if it was a recommendations folder, I might go, hey, you know what, guys, with the drought, I think everybody should go read Dune. <laughs> and that would be my post. Can I make an acronym of what else are you reading? W-E-A-U-R. Weird. Y-U-R. Wait, W-E-A-Y-R. Would people get that? Where? Nah, whatever. I got enough room to write the whole thing out. Who cares? Recommendations slash what else? What else? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I don't know. But thank you for the suggestion. I think it's a good one. All right. And then this email came a couple weeks ago, and we haven't had a new show recently. So I'm sorry this got kind of pushed to the wayside. Um, But this one goes, uh, Tom and Veronica, my story, The Lesser Evil, was part of your Sword and Laser anthology. I wanted to send a quick note to let you know that the story is one of the finalists for the Washington Science Fiction Association's 2015 WSFA Small Press Award for Short Fiction. Yay! Thanks for the opportunity, Dale Muhammad. Congratulations! Congratulations, Dale. That's fantastic. I'm so excited for you. Oh my God, we might have an award-winning short story in our anthology. That's cool. And then we can put out a new cover with award yeah, short story. with a with a what are they called a burst on the yes. cover featuring yeah. featuring award winning short story, the lesser evil. Oh yeah, yeah. you're making I us like look it. good, man. Thank Way you. To go. <laughs> 
Uh, and then Jim had an email about Peter V. Brett and Dice. He said, I was listening to episode 211 today while I walked, trying to catch up to current. And Peter V. Brett lamented the fact that there were no 16-sided dice. There is a game called Dungeon Crawl Classic by Goodman Games at goodmangames.com, goodman-games.com, that uses dice that are non-standard, including a D16. There you go. Bam. Did you forward this to Peter V. Brett, by the Knowledge way? Knowledge drop, Jim. Knowledge drop. In your should... face, Peter V. Brett. <laughs> I don't know. We... I like that you went with in your face, Peter V. Brett, and I went with, should we forward this to Peter so he knows? <laughs> yes, um, I will. I will make sure Peter V. Brett uh, gets the information <laughs> that you have told us. Uh, thank you guys for your emails. Of course, as always, you can send those in to feedback at swordandlaser.com. All right. Well, now it is time for our book of the month discussion. We're going to kick things off with a, uh, a kickoff of next month's pick, and then we're going to go into our wrap-up of a last quick, month's pick. A quick-off. A quick-off. It's not going to be a long kickoff. A quick-off. I like, yeah. ooh, quick, a quick-off. That's yeah. good, Tom. It's the quick-off. It's a quick-off. made that up. No big deal. Uh, so I put a poll up, and I seeded it with a novel from the 19th century, one from the 50s, one from the 80s, uh, split it up amongst female and male authors and tried to like vary the types of stories so they weren't similar. And just, just, just to give you like a wide variety and see what bubbled up to the top and one that people have been wanting us to read for years, uh, not surprisingly one, A Canticle for Leibowitz by Walter M. Miller Jr., uh, it was first published in 1960, although you will see the copyright is 1959. So they got the copyright, then they published it right there at the end of the year, I guess. Set in a Catholic monastery in the United States Southwest after a nuclear war, it's based on three short stories that were published between April 1955 and February 1957 in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. In fact, Miller said he was writing these novellas or novelettes for the magazine and then realized that if he put, they were sequels to each other and he was actually making a novel out hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. So he put him out as a novel. He was inspired uh, by his experience during the bombing of Mon Monte Cassino Monastery during World War II. And that's where he drew the idea from. And it won a Hugo Award in 1961. Excellent. You know, I, I've been reading some reviews of this. I'm not deeply familiar with the tale itself. Um, I think the biggest complaint that I've seen in reviews uh, recently has been how the technology does or does not stack up throughout the years, how it, it kind of feels perhaps a little bit dated. But I think we're used to that. I think we're, you know, we've, 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 been around this before where we read older sci-fi and, and kind of have that feeling of, oh, this is so dated. Oh, it's so old. But I can still put myself in that time period and right. see it through those eyes instead. How dare the authors not perfectly not predict exactly. everything that would happen in the world? How dare you? <laughs> I mean, this is the prototype post-apocalyptic book. It's not, I don't, I wouldn't want to say it's the first post-apocalyptic book, but remember that nuclear bombs had become real only 10 years before, like, mm -hmm. you know, 11 or 12 years before this book. Well, it was, he wrote the first short story in 1955, so, you know, only nine years before. And we've read Station Eleven, uh, we've read Annihilation, we've, we've read a lot of these post-apocalyptic wool uh, scenarios. This is the prototype. This is the first person to really hit it out of the park and say, this is what a post-apocalyptic world after a nuclear war 
would be like. And I know some of the books I mentioned weren't necessary were were disease outbreaks and other, and environmental outbreaks, but uh, post apocalyptic literature kind of rose to legitimacy, <laughs> I guess, with a canticle for Leibowitz. It, it is the primary text on that genre or subgenre. I'm looking forward to reading it. I haven't decided yet if I'm going to do the Audible version or if I'm going to do the Kindle version or if I'm mm. going to go buy it actually at our next Sword and Laser meetup um, at Borderlands SF because I know they're going to have some copies in stock for us. Um, well, if you're worried about an apocalypse, you should buy a printer. Just version. Yeah, just stock up, yeah. put it in my bunker, mm-hmm. which I have. Good bunker so, reading. Mm-hmm. Bottle of wine, a good comfy bunker. That's a weekend right there. <laughs> right. It's My a, weekend. Or until the, the, the nu- nuclear dust uh, clears up. If that's a weekend, if that's a fortnight, if that's a Well, few you just got to get the right outfit, and then you can run out and scavenge for guns. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I can only fit 200 of us down in my bunker, so. <laughs> that's a little fallout shelter joke for you guys out there. Bazinga. Yeah. For those of you who got it. Uh, let's, well, I, are we going to have another... We should have talked about this before the show. Are we going to have another episode before our Dragon Con episode, or is our next episode going to be our Dragon Con episode? Either way, I guess we should wrap up Uprooted by Naomi Novi. Oh, yeah. Our next episode is definitely going to be a Dragon Con episode. Okay. So we're not sure. doing another one next week before we leave for Dragon Con. We do that have it crazy. scheduled, but I, know. I don't think it's meant to be there. Okay. So we'll fix that. <laughs> yes. Uh, now you so guys the, know. So let's. Uh, See, we we conduct our meetings in public. You want to talk about transparency? (laughs) (laughs) We do our business right in front of you. Uprooted by Naomi Novik. That's not what that means in my world. (laughs) To do your business means to go to the bathroom. We say do your thing to the dogs because that's not a... But that could be confusing because you could be like... Eileen could be like, oh, hey, honey, like, you know, I was going to go grab dinner with my girlfriends. Are you happy just making dinner at home? I and you'd be like, yeah, that. just do your thing. I would not and say that. And then the dogs would just start them. shitting on the yeah. carpet. And it's like, what? <laughs> that sometimes happens anyway with Sawyer. Okay. Django never does that. Uh, no, Sawyer doesn't do that. He does pee in the house, though, sometimes. Sawyer. Has it since the last time Veronica was over? Though. He got very excited. I'm very, I'm <laughs> like catnip to dogs. Happened. You witnessed the last time it happened. But anyway, we're not here to talk. It's National Dog Day when we're recording. It but is. We're not so here there we go. To talk about dogs. We are here to talk about Uprooted by Naomi Novik, which I mostly adored. Mostly adored. Most- I loved this book. Come on. I absolutely unreservedly give it five stars because I unreservedly loved it up until the siege and for some reason during the siege in the tower i just found my mind drifting Hmm. and the only thing i can figure is that because of the events she had to write in a more traditional battle speak and i just kind of lost the the magic and the magic was there. I'm not saying, you know, there there obviously was magic with the arrows and, and with the building of the, the wall and everything. But it just felt like I was reading a battle. And I started to get, I, I would not use the word bored at any point in this book, but I was not as captivated as I was. And then, of course, after the battle, it all came right back. And I was entirely captivated as they traveled into the, the forest and, and met the heart trees and, and tried the the spell of the summoning, uh, the the... summoning again. And then she gets... I, I still can't tell whether she actually got sent back in time or if that was just the summoning working uh, somehow. So do, do you feel like this could have been, I feel like this could have been three books. I'm glad it wasn't, but mm. I feel like they're very, there's, there's three very distinct, maybe even four 
very distinct scenes that could have been their own stories in and of themselves. And that would be her growing up and her process of going to the tower for the first time. Right. And I'm going to say Agnieszka because that's how they say it in the audiobook, And that's the only way I know how to pronounce it. So I'm sorry if that is not your preferred. Agnieszka. Agnieszka. Um, so her, her growing up, her, you know, living kind of in the shadow of Kasha and, you know, expecting Kasha to be the one who's going to be chosen to go to the tower with the dragon, then being the one who ends up going to the tower with the dragon. And that whole story, that training montage, if you will. Young Agnieszka. Young Agnieszka. Okay. Then there's the middle section, which is her time at the capital in the castle with the queen and with Kasha and with the children and with meeting the other witches and wizards and learning about their world and, and finding her place there. I think that could have been a whole separate book. I was realizing today as I was, because I finished it today, just mm-hmm. I had like a half hour left on the audiobook. I was realizing th- that the court part, because at the very end of the book, you, right, when they, they sort of talk about, oh, well, he's back at court doing these things. And I was like, oh, right, she was at court and she had that friend. And I was like, yeah, it feels like a there? whole other book. Right? Although I know it was Agnieszka. Exactly. I had that same realization thinking back on the story and being like, wow. That was like a totally different Agnieszka. That was a totally different time in her world. And then we get to the last part, the last story, which is the siege of the tower and her going back into the wood and becoming finally the the wood witch that she turned out to be. Um, that was a whole nother tale. I think the whole, it's, it's almost like a prequel if you think about it, and, you know, I almost wondered looking at the reading the book and thinking about the timeline, if she, in fact, was not her own Baba Yaga. I was thinking that like most of the way through. Did you? I was like looking for clues. Like she wrote these notes for herself from right. a previous time. That's what I thought was happening. I kept waiting for that to be revealed. And who knows? Maybe there will be future books. I don't think so but and so baba yaga is a character from from polish russian mythology that 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 area of mythology um and you know she's a lot of different people to eastern slavic peoples you know and um baba just means grandmother it means a lot of different things but yeah typically baba means you know an older wizened woman uh but there's a lot of different definitions if you if you look on the wikipedia page for baba yaga it's very extensive and it goes through all the different meanings and and all the different versions of her throughout different kinds of folklore slavic european folklore um so there's the but i was surprised because i didn't know that i i that was something i missed from from mythology i just wasn't aware that that was a person the name sounded familiar to me but i didn't know how ingrained it was in in those mythologies yaga yagneshka i'm just saying that's true. Well, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still pretty surprised it wasn't. That wasn't the way it turned out. But I guess that's, you know, it's good to be surprised. That would well, maybe that would have been too not obvious. Turn out that way. It just was never revealed. Right. I'm in my mind. It's still that. It's but she wasn't really way. there. And and Baba Yaga was someone who was supposedly trapped in time. Right. Right. What? Right? Naomi. Is hey, that it? Tell us. Uh, what did you think of the dragon? The dragon. Um, okay. So I had different feelings about the dragon throughout the, the listening of this book. Um, it kind of bothered me that he was such an asshole to her and yet she still 
was like at, towards but the end she was like she was like he, oh you no he was straight he up was, like calling her dummy like through the entire book like that's oh, kind of like he was kind of yeah, like a jerk tower, to yeah. her and it was it went beyond just the i'm your elder i know more than you it was like oh you can't do anything right you're so stupid you're not good for anything you can't even make your appearance halfway decent he was just so he never spoke nicely to her you're right and even in the moments when they were nice, he, he looked like he was almost like, Ugh, I love you, fine, whatever. <laughs> uh. Maybe that's just very Slavic. I don't know. I guess. Um, what were you going to say? I was just saying that he, he didn't actually ever do anything bad to her. Everything no. he actually did, his actions were always just you just it was good. just words i mean he never hurt her he yeah. never i'm not trying to excuse the words when i say that either i'm just words saying. are words are, are hurtful tom especially with magic right yeah what is magic it's made up of words she was a little like i i i wanted her to stand up more for herself i wanted her to make her magic apparent more earlier in the castle process and being at court um you know, she kind of got bullied into finally, like, literally putting her foot down and making the entire castle shake. And I was like, you could have just made the rose for them and shown them that you could do something. Like, you didn't have to. You could be like, okay, you do your magic this way. This is how I do my magic. Like, I felt like she knew enough about herself at that point that she could have stood up for herself in a more timely fashion as opposed to making them kind of test her for, like, a day and a half and, and not they, get anything out of her until she threw a fit. Well, I think that was because she was a child. She's still a child at that point, right? We're seeing her mature. And then we even have that scene where she comes back and realizes this is what it feels like to be an adult, not a child anymore. Like mm -hmm. she has that moment. So I feel like a lot of those parts where we're sitting there going, come on, don't you see it? It's it's her maturing. And that, that made sense to me. I also like that at the end, when the dragon says, uh, you're, you're going to stay here in the tower. She's like, no, I'm not. I'm grown up now. Yeah, I'm out. I'm Peace not out. listening to you. <laughs> I do what I want. And but it was kind what? of it was kind of sweet though, because she was yes. like, she was like, you know, this is scary for me. I I I care about you. She didn't really say this, but this is how she felt. But you know, I have to go do this thing. I got to go do this. I got to. And I that's gotta why go. I think that the dragon coming back showed that, despite his rough, gruff exterior, she loved him anyway. Saw through that and sort of loved him loved him enough to let him go and he came back and i i just actually adore that the end of the book is come meet my mom yeah <laughs> slate had a great review of this book um and they said specifically about the dragon he's like a fussy music theory professor forced to cut an album with an improvising jazz musician but the resulting music is better than either could make separately yeah and totally that's exactly that's it. exactly true. And and ninety percent of his frustration throughout the whole training montage, as I like to call it, is um, him being like, "She has this power. I don't know how to get her to use it the way I want her to." You know, he he can see that she has innate power, innate ability, mostly. Maybe he doesn't realize the extent of it, but she can't do the things that he has been teaching for a hundred years to people or that the way he learned it himself. And that's frustrating to him. Yeah. Um, She's got a different kind of power. It's jazz. It's perfectly jazz. It's jazz. Yeah. Um, and then we had a great thread in the forums <laughs> about the book um, called Manic Pixie Dream Witch. This is from uh, Rob Secundus again. And he loved the book, but he wanted to know if, if Nieszka was a manic pixie dream witch in her relationship with the dragon. 
you know, she's a girl that's not like the other girls of the village, always getting dirty, climbing trees. She's not prim and proper. She'll splash in the mud. What's more, she just can't wrap her mind around the dragon's academic intellectual magic. But that's a good thing, because her free-spirited magic breaks through his limitations and shows him a world of magic he'd never expected to reach before. And then there's great discussions. And yes, I kind of get that feeling too. Like, like, oh, he's the, he's the stuck up, like stiff magician. She comes in with her freewheeling nature magic ways and shows him the light that not everyone's the same. Everyone has their own magical abilities. <laughs> Tom and I are in video chat right now and he's just watching me like wave my hands, doing my imitation of my manic pixie dream witch. Um, but then other people say, that the whole idea of the, this is coming from the trope, the film trope of Manic Pixie Dream Girl, um, which is kind of epitomized by uh, Zoe Deschanel in everything. <laughs> in life. <laughs> in life. But usually it's used as a, as a tool to loosen up the main male character and make him discover his true self, you know, kind of opening his eyes to another way of living. But I don't think that's true in this case. And I think a lot of the other people in the forums agreed that she's not a device to, to further his right. story. She's her own story. This is just who she is. She might be a little bit manic pixie-ish, but it's not the dragon's ideal right mm -hmm. it's not because the dragon wanted a manic pixie dream girl and that's usually how that trope plays out right is you've got the guy who's like why can't i find a girl who's not like the other girls then poof manic pixie dream girl shows up and everything's great uh you know and that's uh 500 days of summer mm. i, I think described. i wanted this one thing but suddenly i've discovered this whole other thing that's amazing she changed my world and that's yeah. not what happens with the dragon and her and, and then fact, I, we listen to the shins <laughs> It was great. <laughs> uh, Rob Secundus points that out. He's like, really, that romance is on the back burner for most of this book. And he's, and and so I think that just points out that it's not as much of a problem as maybe he is fearing. Ooh, and speaking of romance, there's some steamy scenes in this book, let me tell you. And uh, this was also the pick this month for Vaginal Fantasy. Now I know why. And Tom is going to be on Vaginal Fantasy this month. Uh, that episode is going to be on the 1st of September. Very excited. And we're going to be discussing more of the romantical elements of the book, which we've kind of glossed over here a little bit, but they were there. Well, we have to leave it for your show, your other book club show. My other book club show. That's right. You can massively embarrass me. Yay, it's going to be so fun. <laughs> it's my favorite. Yes, it's going to be fun. Yes. Um, so that's yeah, that's about my wrap-up. I really liked this book. Um, I thought it was a great departure for Naomi Novik after writing, what, nine books in the Temerer series? Just an incredible run in that particular story. And to do something so completely different is, is very special. And it's a book about a dragon. <laughs> technically, yes. Well, not technically. <laughs> I but mean, literally, because that's his dragon name. It has a dragon in it. It a does. A guy named Dragon. Oh, that's not his real name. Gosh, we didn't even talk about Merrick or like any of that other stuff. There's so much in this oh, book. Merrick. Kind of glad he died. I know, right? He kind just, of deserved to die. That's what he's good for, is a heroic death. Yeah, and it was. He was kind of tragic because all he really wanted was... Mommy. His mommy. He wanted his mommy, and that was sad. Yeah. And, and his mommy was an empty shell. But he was also rapey. Full of corruption. So maybe you shouldn't be so rapey and then maybe your mother will love you. Did you yeah. think of that, Merrick? Did you think of that? Anyway, sad. 
<laughs> that is sad. Uh, pour one out for Merrick, ladies and gentlemen. And that is it for the show. Yeah, good show, guys. Uh, thank you so much for contributing all your stuff. Of course, uh, we depend on you, our fine patrons, uh, over at patreon.com slash sword and laser. Um, you guys are awesome. You can you can contribute as much or as little as you'd like. Um, we, we live on your support, literally, um, and it means the world to us. So yeah, patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Anytime you click on one of those links, we get credit for anything you buy. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. and hey, if you guys are going to be in Atlanta for Dragon Con 2015, Tom and I will be there. Uh, we're going to have a live episode of Sword and Laser recording on Saturday at 2 o'clock, I believe, um, over in the Hill. No, hi. Crystal Ballroom. Crystal Ballroom. There we go. I, I'm used to being in that other space, and now, but now we're in the Crystal Ballroom. We've been there for the last two years, so that makes sense. Um, and we're going to be in- interviewing. Who are we? Who are we interviewing? Sherry Priest, right? Sherry Priest. It is Sherry Priest. That's right. We're going to have Sherry Priest live on the show. Super excited about that. I love her. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great. So hopefully we'll get to meet some of you guys in person there. We're going to have books on sale, copies of the Sword and Laser Anthology. Um, We're going to have some lanyards. It's going to be a good time. It always is. Hope to see you there. Absolutely be there at the Crystal Ballroom at 2.30 p.m. 2.30 or you know, come Line early and two, hang out though. with us in the lobby. Whatever, we'll we'll have a snack. It'll be fun. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on Goodreads, and you can always call and leave us a voicemail at four one five seven sword six. We'll see you next time. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!